listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Welcome to a One Take Podcast, episode 136. Movies are back, folks. Actual good oh, movies in January back. and February. Which Crazy. is a, kind of a paradigm shift that I think we've experienced within the last couple of years. At least in my personal like viewing uh, taste, I think. Because, you know, Dex, you get to more movies than all of us. But, like, for me, I would equate myself to an above-average moviegoer. I'm yeah, seeing, yeah. like, w- two good movies every january and february now over the last couple of years that used to not be the case at all yeah january and february used to be the months that i took off from the movies <laughs> and then i would hit it back hard starting in like april but yeah this year we've gotten some bangers already so uh we're obviously talking about knock at the cabin a new film from m night Shyamalan, um an actually good movie haters teed I'm, I am the hater, so I, I I mean, I will agree. This was a surprisingly good film. I had a good time. I was stunned by how much I like this movie. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I expected to hate it. Has one I literally hater expected to hate him. Um, Knock at the Cabin. Rated R. A shocking rated R, actually, to me. And we can discuss that. Um, two hour, or 2023 movie. Hour and 40 minutes long, man. Fucking, mm, ah. Chef's Kiss, six point four on IMDb, which is surprising. Uh, only the nine ranked popu- trending popularity movie right now. While vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. If you saw any trailer, you know that's that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. That's I have a question, setup. real quick. What is the IMDb popularity rankings based on? Like, what does that mean? I like, think just people clicking, probably clicking, people on, the clicking site. On, on the website. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, it's uh, number one at the box office. Finally, Avatar yeah. Two is dead. Avatar is dead. <laughs> all and, and all God's people said, "Amen." <laughs> I didn't hey, know that M Night Shyamalan was the hero I needed to defeat Avatar, but you know, sometimes. Sometimes you know your your uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes, exactly. So M Night Shyamalan did me a great service, and I appreciate him for that. Uh, written and directed by M Night Shyamalan, based on a previously produced screenplay by Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. It is based on a novel of the same name by Paul Tremblay, a book that came out like two years ago. Like I they probably, it was like 2016 or something. Was it? Oh, okay. Or 2018 like may have been. Okay. May have been more accurate. Um, but it time doesn't came matter out, anymore. Well, no, it doesn't. It came Trump after the Trump matched, presidency, yeah. and you, you'll you yeah. be able to tell why. It was and, a result of the Trump presidency, and he said so. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, 63 Metascore actually stars. None other than Drax himself, Dave Bautista, in a potentially career-defining role. This man, man. went from giving people the business in the WWE <laughs> and in real life, actually. The if you Batista read his, bomb. Yeah, his Wikipedia page, to being like the most kind-hearted, like screen present, like gentle giant screen presence that we have today. Like it's insane, and he's really, really good. Also, stars uh, names that you will know, like Jonathan Groff. 
uh, Ben Aldridge as the couple in the story. Rupert Grint makes an appearance uh, as he's known to do in Shyamalan projects now. Still in these streets. Uh, Justice Nikki... for Mindhunter, by the way. Every time you talk about Jonathan Groff, you have to say Justice yeah. for Mindhunter. Justice for that. Uh, I Netflix, know you know that. what you did. He was a star. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You know what you fucking did, Netflix. You know what you did, and we'll never forget it. I mean, he's and still he was... probably getting Hamilton money, so he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time somebody reclicks play on that for the fifteenth billion time <laughs> on Disney Plus, um, Nikki uh, Amuk- Muka Bird. Uh, and Abby Quinn make up the rest of that cast. And then Kristen, uh, I'm going to, I'm so sorry, I'm going to pre- mispronounce her last name, Kui, Ki, uh, as the daughter, Win. And she is She's awesome, great. awesome child actress. So good. Um, and then a host of other people as like news anchors and such. But you're right, Dex, this did dethrone uh, many people's Lord and Savior, James Cameron, the av- Avatar. Uh, $20 million uh, budget. One weekend, $21 million return, which is about as good as you can hope for for a rated R February movie. And it's probably going to keep going, too, uh, which has since been the case with Shyamalan. He's kind of self-funded a lot of these projects that he's been doing and making big returns on them uh, because, as we have known throughout his career, do not give this man any sort of money. (laughs) because <laughs> it will tank <laughs> it will tank your studio your uh, studio will fall into the ocean yeah. <laughs> you give Shyamalan some money but good for him man lower lower critic scores and audience scores than I think I was anticipating going into this 68% uh, critic score 64% audience score although it wow. is often less scary and parts of the story don't bear scrutiny knock of the cabin is a thought provoking chiller and up upper tier Shyamalan I would argue it is anywhere from his second to third best movie that he's put out definitely the best in the last six years so that's saying something uh TJ I want to start with you because you are like you haven't liked Shyamalan since the village so (laughs) oh god uh I really want to start with what your thoughts are first on Shyamalan and what where this movie comes in and give it your review. Obviously, I'm not a big Shyamalan fan, although he does have movies I like. I like Unbreakable. I like Signs. I liked The Sixth Sense the first time I saw it. I don't think it really holds the same kind of uh, weight with me on, on reviewing. But, you know, I wasn't always a Shyamalan hater. And then The Village happened and then he kept stabbing me in the heart. And I was like, you know what? I'm out on this. I watched like maybe 25 minutes of Old, which was the first movie I had seen of his and like, probably a decade and i watched about 25 minutes and there was a character called mid-sized sedan or some shit like that and i turned the movie off immediately. I'm, like, I'm, I'm good on this so i wasn't i didn't my expectations weren't high i will say that when i first saw the trailer i was like that trailer fucking bangs but he's fooled me with trailers before but i also love batista like to be that big of a presence on screen and he can really get vulnerable like he can really get vulnerable and it just seemed like even from the trailer, that his relationship with the kid was going to be something very vulnerable. Uh, And so I was interested, even though I knew it was M. Night Shyamalan. And Lord bless whoever told M. Night Shyamalan, hey, you know, the movie doesn't have to have a twist in it. You can make a movie where everybody knows the ending and people can still have a great time at the movie theater. That's what this movie is. 
uh, no spoilers yet, but like this, you, we can't really spoil this movie for you. If you told me what you think the plot might be of this film, 90% chance you probably get it right. It's it. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's a very straightforward story. Now there's a lot of elements of the story where you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. But I mean, by the time the story is over, you're like, Oh shit. He didn't even try to give us a twist there, which I loved. And I just thought he made some choices that were really intentional and really smart. Shooting everything kind of close up, I thought just really worked, especially that first scene where you see uh, Batista interact with our with our young actress. I just like that just works so well. And you do that before we even meet the meet the parents like that just worked so well for me. It immediately brought me into the movie. It immediately made me think, oh, shit, Batista is great. He, and he's being set up in a position to where he's going to have a big role in this movie. He's going to be the center of this film, and he's really going to take the film to new heights. The only thing that I really didn't like is that there's there's like this uh, ratio slash like focus adjustment thing that's always happening in the movie in terms of the camera work, and it happens probably two hundred times. Like the movie, like somebody goes out of focus and they come back into focus, so it's obviously a very intentional choice. I thought he he like overdid it. He was spamming that particular feature. But other than that, I had a pretty good time. Anytime you tell me that we're going to see uh, parts of the apocalypse in a movie, I'm probably in. I'm probably going to be down. Uh, the story is grounded enough. The humans in the story really make it great. I really love the Jonathan Groff performance, uh, Justice for Mindhunter. I really like the performance of the of the young actress. She, I thought she was phenomenal. And I really had a good time. I wasn't bored. It's a very short movie. And even into the last, like, literal seconds of the movie, when you already know how it's ending, because the movie has basically already ended, I was still like, I don't trust him. I don't trust that he's not going to try to throw a twist in here. I don't trust it. But when the credits hit, I was like, oh, my God. Oh. I, Is there a post-credit scene? <laughs> <laughs> Literally like, on Google, like, at the movie theater. Is there a at the cabin post-credit scene? <laughs> This is going to be an insular joke that maybe, but we are uh, on the greatest podcast network of all time. So Apollo fans will understand this. Maybe you ever remember when Daniel House played for the Rockets and he would always and once a game try a highlight dunk and always miss. miss it. Like it would happen like once a game, bang off that, the back of the rim and go to half court. That is my view of M Night Shyamalan. He, <laughs> he could have a layup, but instead he's going to try to three sixty it, and it's going to be a clank. And that's what I was scared of the whole time I was watching this movie. I was like, he's going to go full Daniel House. But he didn't. He laid the ball up. He gave us a solid movie. And I had a good time with it. I gave it a B plus. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, could, I can't believe I'm saying that. And I'll have to apologize to someone later on the podcast. But I'll save that. <laughs> we'll, have to, um, we'll have to discuss the ending. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing with Shyamalan films. Obviously, everybody since The Sixth Sense went into them uh, well what's the twist in this one going to be and i think not that he was like smelling his own farts or thing, something like that but i think he was probably like caught up in in that as like filmmakers can do. what's the big thing nolan's gonna do is he gonna yeah. actually blow up the planet you know yeah. what i mean so he blew up several islands for oppenheimer exactly so I think like not literally. We're not so blessed. Real cinema is here, brothers. <laughs> Oppenheimer is coming. I can't wait. I'm still trying to figure wait. out how he replicated a, nu a nuclear bomb, but that that we'll we'll see in May with a nuclear um, bomb. That's how. Yeah. got I know y'all got some of these sitting over in Kansas that y'all aren't yeah. using. Let me have one. Yeah, I think Tom Cruise is a badass for jumping out of helicopters. I literally detonated a nuclear bomb for my nuclear bomb. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that Shyamalan may have 
as a younger filmmaker gotten caught up into like what is the new thing that i'm going to do here how um, am i gonna blow everyone's mind yeah exactly and i think that i mean it's a pitfall of of what we we expect from people um but yeah i think and i'll discuss what how what i think about who Shyamalan is now um versus what the populace thinks i think of him but anyway, Dex, you were the first one to see this movie. Uh, you probably saw it with a fuller theater than the rest of us, too. Like, what was sort of the reaction? No, I didn't. Actually, oh, there you didn't? was like eight people in my movie. Oh, okay. There was, <laughs> there, was about, about halfway full. About halfway. Okay. Yeah, oh, I yeah. saw I saw this on like the, the Thursday. It came out at like 5 p.m. Like, so the, the 7.30 showing after mine was like more full, but mine had like eight people in it because it was five o'clock on a Thursday. But uh I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was dope. I wasn't expecting to like it. I thought, like everybody else, I thought he was going to do some dumb shit to ruin this like really good premise and throw it all away with some twist where it's like, oh, Dave Batista was like from space the whole time or something. But... <laughs> he was an he was an angel. Yeah, he's an angel. <laughs> it's an allegory for creation or like some dumb shit. Like he's Jesus or something. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I was certain that he was going to do something to let me down. And he didn't. Like, it's just a very good, tense, thought-provoking movie. Like, the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, like, uh, review consensus thing that you read. I'm like, I agree with that exactly, except I liked it more than they did. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. uh, it's thought-provoking. It's not very scary, but it's kind of tense. And uh, there's a couple of plot points where you just kind of have to ignore it and not really think about it too hard. But I'm good with all that because I was extremely uncomfortable throughout parts of it, like in a good way. I was super tense, like trying to like straighten myself in my chair, like to relieve some of the tension and shit like that. Um, never really quite knew exactly what was about to happen next, partially because it's M. Night Shyamalan. I just watched this movie straight up without knowing who the director was, I would have been like, oh, this is very predictable. But since it's Shyamalan, I was like, oh, he's going to do something fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, what's it going to yeah. be? Like, what's it going to be? What if and that then, was the twist the entire time? He was like, you idiots thought. You fucking thought. Y'all yeah. thought. <laughs> that was his and twist. Yeah. Another thing I like about this movie is that, like, it's based on a book, but you can't really tell that unless someone, like, tells you, you know? Like, no, it doesn't have... think it was based on a play. Yeah, it's not like, uh, you know, there's usually like some seams when it comes to adapting a book because people are like trying to get the inner monologue across on screen as narration and it's like really bad and it sucks. But they didn't do that. They didn't bother with that. Um, I've looked up like some of the, I haven't read the book, but I've looked up like what happens in it and what's different about it. And I like what Shyamalan did more. Uh, the ending is a little bit different and we can discuss that once we get into spoilers, but I like Shyamalan's version better than the book version so I thought this was good uh, Batista is him give him more roles I'm excited to see whatever he does next uh, I'm going to give it a B I'm right there with you I'm going to give it a B as well too um, to that end it's it's weird being the guy that complains about the twist and then like expecting something you know getting upset when something more doesn't happen at the end you know what I mean? But that's, yeah. there's like a, there's like a medium where it doesn't have to be the biggest twist ending of all time. Oh, the village is like a secret base where like it, we're in modern times the entire time. You know what I mean? Worst it doesn't have to be like ever. that, 
Like, <laughs> sorry to spoiler, uh, spoil the village of 2033. He saved you two hours. Game. Film the village. Um, but there, there I was, I was kind of left expecting a little bit more, maybe in the way of even resolution. But um, it was pretty final. I'll, I'll say that. I don't know. So I was expecting a little bit more. I don't know clarity. I guess at the very end. Um, and he didn't give it to you and that's his choice and it worked fine. Like, I'm not saying it's the worst thing that I've ever seen. Like, obviously we liked it more than if he would have been like, yeah, Batista was, a was the actual horseman of the apocalypse. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that it, it worked as well as it needed to, to got the story across. Yeah, In, Batista like rides off on a horse at the end of the movie. Right. Like, <laughs> like I'm Pegasus, I would have thrown like, something at the movie screen. If he hopped on a horse, I would have literally thrown <laughs> something at the movie screen. Um, you know, I just think that uh, Shyamalan at this point, I think we all need to accept that Shyamalan while he is a good filmmaker, the story was always the thing that kind of got away from him as a filmmaker. Like technically he's like a really polished Artur when it comes to moving the camera and doing like all of this is based in like a, like a 300 square foot cabin basically. Yeah. And the way that they block it and move the camera, it's all brilliant uh, filmmaking where, where he would get lost in the sauce was he would write his own scripts and it's his storytelling mechanics of that. He would get lost in it. And, I think that we need to kind of look at him more as like this uber genre filmmaker instead of maybe this grand Artur that he was said to be when he was when he was like 26 and made The Sixth Sense. Yeah, he's not a screenplay genius. We got yeah. <laughs> to let no. that go. Yeah, and so he was nominated for Oscars. He's a wonderkin and all this stuff. It was like his second ever film. And then he comes out with Unbreakable, which is, you know, a lesser film, but still a really, really good uh, follow-up and character study. And then it just kind of like really, I mean, Signs has its moments, but it really kind of plateaus and he gets this these huge contracts from these studios to do these multi-million dollar projects. He's paired mm-hmm. with Will Smith and is and doing giving his airbender. <laughs> yeah. And giving his kid money to do whatever it is that they were doing in after earth. And, <laughs> and it just didn't work. And I think he kind of reverted back and is doing what he was meant to do, which was just genre thriller filmmaking. And it's mostly worked out since, since that pivot. I mean, T TG said you didn't like old. A lot of people liked it. It did well. Yeah, people liked it. People, um, people swore by it. And I mean, I don't think Glass necessarily worked, but the no. split is the one that people go back to. And that was back yeah. in 2016. But like, split's not bad. Jay anyway, McAvoy was in his bag. Yeah, I, I'm rambling, but I think we need to like think of him in a different light going forward with his career as he moves into his 50s and 60s. He needs of, to keep having what? source material to go back to. We love that's that. Another, love, that's another thing, too. We love a man with source material that doesn't uh, get caught up in his own uh, own shortcomings. We love that. Yeah, and I, I my boy Robert Eggers some source material, and he crushed it. Y'all saw it. Facts. <laughs> Y'all saw it. It happened. We were there. And obviously, he changed a lot. Um, not a lot, but like a, enough to where it made sense for him to want to do it. Um, obviously he, the script had been around for a long time and he changed, he just took their script and was like, no, nah, I'm changing some stuff, but which is like, okay, that could have worked or it couldn't have, it kind of worked here. And 
I just think it was a solid performance from the entire cast, like Rupert Grick turning into like character actor guy is like an awesome career change. I love that. Instead of trying, Ron Weasley was such a bigot. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know Ron Weasley at Hogwarts was learning and going to some of the websites hey, he man. was obviously going to. You saw how he grew up. Hey, bro, a J.K. Rowling written character. We can't doubt it. It only makes sense. <laughs> it's in all in, of them. Impoverished white looked down upon by the other by the other elites at Hogwarts. Who would have thought? <laughs> no, but I think um, I think that the the story gets there. I think it's really really carried by. Uh, by the by the couple and and batista and i think batista really does obviously i think his best work as an actor um and it was really cool of them to identify him as that presence yeah uh in being sort of that just gentle giant figure and i think he's made really interesting career choices uh since you know getting big with marvel and i think it's really served him well and he's wanted to really try to be an actor which is like i just kept imagining the rock as this character and it sucked <laughs> i just kept imagining it could you Dwayne imagine could literally never he could literally never nah he cannot i love, like, I love the, the rock fairy. That's, the rock he can't work with kids. of all time but he ain't got it like that <laughs> get out of get him out that's of here. The, that's the thing when there's a purpose there's a purpose for the rock in his films but i'm just saying like just imagining that is like batista has a stranglehold on probably the best wrestler turned actor at this point after this Agreed. performance and or you know he has the most range because cena is yeah. pretty good but cena has it's all we comedy seen cena yeah we haven't seen seen i mean we have seen straight lace cena it was in a fast and Furious movie and it's and it mm. was boring because he didn't make any jokes. We wanted yeah. he should have been making some jokes. The Marine back in 2006, those straight to FX movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I just think um, he didn't get lost in the sauce. It was a really quick, really quick, enjoyable movie for February. And that's all we kind of ask for at this point until Oscar season ramps back up again. But Facts. I just, I just think it was really worth going to it almost could have been rated PG-13 and it felt like they were kind of going for it. Yeah, they held It felt back. like they tried. It felt they like they literally tried to get PG-13 because they, they were cutting away from... Like, this is a very violent movie, but they were yeah. cutting away from a lot of the violent scenes. They were just cutting away from them. There's a lot of blood. Me. I'm a person who's like, I don't need a super-duper gory movie to have a good time. Like, so I was cool with it. But yeah, it did feel like they were pulling punches a little bit. There's a lot of blood and stuff, so I kind of understand and like add into that the frightening images. Like I, I imagine, you know, that's probably why it did it. But it didn't seem like a rated R. Like I've seen PG-13 movies that go about this far. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, as far as what the movie's about, it is a, a, an obvious allegory to what do we believe on the internet. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how interested Shyamalan was in that part of it. I think he was probably more interested in like the <laughs> the man versus spiritual aspects of it, as he kind of is in most of his films. Um, but I do think that it is a pretty poignant tale of where we are with the discourse now and what we believe and what you can believe and is seeing, believing and w where we are with that. Um, it probably works out better in the book than it does in this film. 
But then again, Shyamalan changed a few things. So I give it a B. Very, very solid film. Go see it in the theater. It's, it's worth your time. Yeah. You I, know, some I interesting fact- questions in there about humanity and whether or not it's worth saving. I enjoyed right. that. I, I thought that was, I thought that, so we should say that the, the two parents in this, in this film are a same sex couple and they kind of weave their experiences with kind of like bigotry into the story in a very unique way. And it kind of like, like Dex is saying, it kind of serves as the backbone of one of the characters decision to not make the sacrifice. Obviously you, from the trailer, you can know like the sacrifices they need to choose as a family to kill a member of their, of their family. And, the people who've come to the who've intruded onto the cabin can't do it for them. They can't decide for them. They can't harm them physically. All they have to do is present the option to them. And then, you know, every time they say no, uh, every time they get a no, then they were going to start another level of the apocalypse, basically. And so because of the way that they're doing the story, this all happens in this insular cabin, they put up these new stories to prove to the people that live in the cabin that these things are actually happening. These things that we've told you are going to happen are really happening. But because of what Royden was saying before of like, what do we really believe? What's going on the internet? Do we believe even the news? Do you know what is truth? What is not? You still leave room for the characters to have doubt as to what is actually happening, which is a brilliant way to do the movie. Like that's just like a very effective way to keep the movie going. It's already a short movie, but you can't have them, know the full weight of their decisions from the beginning, even though they're told the full weight of their decisions from the beginning, any of us would think that these people were religious kooks. And they, they say that in the movie, like, yeah. you know, the black, the black woman's like, I'm not religious at all. Actually. Like, I know that you probably think I'm a religious kook because of what I'm saying to you, but I'm not religious at all. And I thought the way they played with that was a very smart way to write a movie. No. And I just think that, Again, all the all the casting and all the performances were really pitch perfect too, um, especially for the four people in those in those positions. Um, and I heard this on another podcast, and it makes and it makes sense. It's really good acting by by I keep forgetting his name, but he's he was he's actually having a really good year. Ben Aldridge, he was in that rom com, or what amounted to uh, basically like a uh, Hallmark movie. Uh, spoiler alert. Oh uh, yeah, year. Uh, I didn't see it, but yeah, good yeah, for him. it got really good reviews. But he, uh, but he's in that. But basically, it's really good acting by them because they have to be playing frightened and distressed the entire movie mm-hmm. and angry. Yeah, they have to like keep that the entire time. And again, I can't say enough about the the child performance. Like we, as somebody who like harped on how bad a child performance was in a past movie that we watched. Um, Several past movies, multiple that we have. past movies, M- that multiple, we yeah, multiple past movies. <laughs> I, I just think that, like, when you see like a really good one, it's worth it's, it's worth pointing out. And she was she was fantastic. Um, but no, I, let's talk about what they changed. And a heavy spoiler alert from here on out. About twenty six right, minutes. In, um, heavy spoiler alert. If you don't want it spoiled, go see Knock at the Cabin and Scene. Okay, so. In the book, what happens is the child, when is her, is that her yeah. name? When, yeah. when is is killed accidentally, um, in a skirmish between I believe Batista's character and um, one of the dads. That doesn't and, count. 
No, so it doesn't, doesn't count. count. So, they, so they they weren't volunteered. So they have to live with that. And then basically what amounts to happening is that all of the people sacrifice themselves. The apocalypse begins to happen and they don't make a decision. They just wander off into whatever may come. And, yeah, and uh, I think Sabrina is her name, the black woman. Oh, she and, runs away. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. She runs away. I think she helps them kill Leonard at one point. And uh, yeah, it's kind of more up in the air whether or not the apocalypse stuff was real or if it was fake. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, it's pretty clear cut that it was real. Um, yeah. You know, but in the book, they kind of leave it ambiguous, I guess, uh, as to whether or not all that shit was real. Because she starts having doubts about it. You know, she's talking to the dads about it and they're having their doubts still. So nobody really knows whether or not the apocalypse was actually going to happen in the book. There's no way that M. Night Shyamalan was going to get a movie that deals with the apocalypse and not be able to show you the spectacle of the apocalypse. Like, there's no way that he was <laughs> going to do that because that's that's probably the stuff that really gets him going. Like, when those planes were falling out of the sky, I, I like I would my heart was beating so fast. Yeah, it's such a jarring thing to watch. Nuts. Bro. Could you that imagine? That would be the scariest thing ever, bro. Planes are out. All the planes. All the planes are dying. That You're was like, so scary, man. <laughs> that was... planes? Nobody realizes how many planes are in the air all the time. All the time. Constantly. That was... get fucking dude. Tsunamis look so fucking terrifying. I'm not gonna lie to you, that looked bad. That was bad CGI. And it looked like bad CGI. But like just the idea. Don't be bad CGI guy. guy. I was scared it was to bad. death when Dude, I saw that. It wave. was bad. It wasn't that great. But the plane stuff is, yes, it was good. The planes were better CGI. <laughs> well, I mean, just in general, because they were far off. You could just kind of see the planes falling out of the air. But I'm just saying like the the this fake wave look coming on that they captured on Facebook Live. You're kind of like, <laughs> uh, all right. I have a little uh, behind the scenes uh, knowledge. Uh, the, there's a kiss in this in this film because the two characters are obviously like a, a married couple, and they actually kiss. And some people out here are doing CGI kisses, so that we gotta true. be oh, careful fuck. with this CGI thing <laughs> Wait, that we're doing, guys. I've realized that there's awry. a new wave. It could go. This CGI thing could go very far, bros. It could be much worse than it is now. Um, we'll talk <laughs> about that later because uh, there was some movie stuff that came out this week that we wanted. I want to talk about, but like. Anyway, um, clean shaven in this movie. You know, some people are fake clean shaven with CGI and then mustache. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh man, no. So, what do we think about the changes to that and like making it more purpose purposeful uh, than what they did in what they did in the book? I mean, obviously, I think TG enjoyed it, but he made. Do you it think more leaving accessible? it more ambiguous makes sense obviously i don't think he wanted to kill a kid i don't think i think that's kind of like a non-starter i i think so this becomes a very interesting play of like what he does and and at his best is he makes small movies that can generate large large dollars back large audiences right it's old is a movie that he spent 19 dollars on and made <laughs> a lot of money on it because people went to go see in the movie theater right so you, if you make it a real thing, the thing that we're talking about actually exists. It makes it that much more accessible to the average American, for one. For two, like I said, he gets to do the actual spectacle, although he could have still done that and just the, shown us the visions, but it could not have been real. But I, I think it's easier to access if it's actually real. And I think the dynamics between the actual the humans of the story 
and it's very clear that he wanted to make see that this is not a story about the apocalypse or about the people that are dying in the apocalypse. This is a story about this family. Like this is a family drama. And so in order to achieve that, I think it makes more sense to make it realistic and to actually see that the prophecy be, is being, being fulfilled. I think that makes it a more accessible movie, whereas it might work better on a, in thinking about these more physiological things or these more spiritual things in a book. It might work better in a book that way, but on a movie screen, I think it works much better this way. Yeah, I agree. I think answering the question of the apocalypse definitive, definitively is much better than leaving that ambiguous. I like the choice that he makes, right, is to kind of make the uh, make the character. I don't remember which of the dads is the one that survives. It's Eric or Andre or whatever. Um, Andrew. Uh, what's, what's Andrew, survives. Andrew survives. Andrew survives. Eric, Eric, Eric who, uh, yeah, Jonathan Robb's character, sacrifices himself because he believes that he has seen the light, literally. Yeah. So. And I mean, he was right, which is good. But uh, it's so there like, is an afterlife, according to this movie, by the way. <laughs> but it's like I appreciate that they made the uh, the ambiguity is whether or not the surviving dad thinks that that was a good choice. Like, you know, because you can see him at the diner and he's like, you know, all, all these good things are happening to these other people. That's cool. But also but I'm fuck stuck you without my partner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck y'all. The world still hates me because I'm gay. And now I'm here without my partner. And, you know, he goes back in the car with wind and she, he, like, the music comes on. He turns it off. She turns it back on. So it's supposed to be like a, like a life goes on kind of thing. But it's ambiguous whether or not life really goes on for him. Like, you know, you can't really tell if he feels like he made the right decision or like the right thing happened. Like if humanity deserves to live. And I think that's. And I think that's a more that's a better way to do a movie than making us question whether or not we wasted an hour and 40 minutes on if the apocalypse was real or not, you know? Well, and that becomes it becomes more of a character study, which I think he's probably more interested to do um, instead of. Yeah, is is the apocalypse because I do kind of get mad at stuff like that sometimes where I'm like tell me the answer like i know we're not supposed to be food fed <laughs> stuff as an audience but i'm big dumb movie boy so i'm like can i know please can i can i know and that's probably yeah. why it makes it a good film but i'm also like i want to i want to know wanna it's know. the whole thing about being ambiguous versus being vague or whatever the line is right, like right yeah i appreciate that they were like nope not vague at all it's the apocalypse was about to happen uh you just watch these four people sacrifice themselves uh and they were doing the right thing. And we have to figure out, is humanity actually worth saving? You have to make that choice for yourself. Because like it's not like he hits you over the head with like, oh, look at the beautiful puppies and the, you know, the great things about Earth and rainbows and sparkles. It's like. Well, yeah, yeah, they walk some... out of there and they're like in Kansas. So it's just yeah. like. <laughs> and it's like, you know, was, was it good? Should these people all be dead? Fuck them. Like, we don't know. I, I I really like I couldn't get enough of how they chose to film the movie. Like I just, I will give him a lot of credit of the I think the work with the camera is just phenomenal. He said he used two different DPs on the project because of scheduling. So one person basically did all the stuff inside the cabin and somebody did all the stuff outside the cabin. And when you're shooting in one location, like you really have to make use of all that space. Like and they do so much. They do uh, enough of the stuff outside, like. Uh, there's enough of the movie that happens outside the house and enough of the shooting that happens outside the house. Sometimes they will cut away from the violence going on inside the cabin 
by showing you the outside of the cabin. And I just thought it was a very smart use of the camera in such a confined space. I just I, I thought it was phenomenal in that regard. Yeah, we should note it was it was uh, shot by Jaron Blatchkey and Lowell A. Meyer uh, Blatchkey, who is the cinematographer for Robert Eggers. So he shot The Lighthouse, The Northman, The Witch, uh, things of that sort. Perfect. It will get anybody who's worked with Eggers and anybody who was shooting that extreme violence on the Northman knows how to shoot some violence. (laughs) Northman is the most violent movie I've ever seen. They didn't cut away from shit in the Northman. Brother. They zoomed in on that shit. That one was a hard R. Let me show (laughs) you. They that shit. (laughs) God, when he like, when they're fighting in the volcano naked and he like chops off his arm, I'm like, oh my God. Dude, that fucking volcano fight scene. I need people to fucking understand how sick that shit is. That shit was so dope. Not enough people have seen the Northman. Go watch it. It's on Prime Video. It's on Prime. Robert Eggers is really him. Give him another big budget, please. Or don't. It doesn't matter. His movies are going to slap no matter what happens. Just studio matter. interfere, please. Again, <laughs> yeah, just continue to interfere. But, but please interfere just a little bit, please. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, no, I think when it comes to Shyamalan, I think this is just his lane, man. I think he just makes these movies that are going to continue to make. A, this is going to make $75 million or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If made it for $20 million. Then he'll get to self-fund his next project and people will go see it. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't be. But I just I I'm glad that in a time where people don't get to take that many chances, there is still this guy that is just like sw- trying to throw 120 miles an hour. Yeah, just like, fuck it. Like, let's let's go do swinging for fun. the fences. Every single time, it's just like I'm my, I may bat 120, but I'm gonna hit 55 home runs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that's valuable to somebody. Um, so yeah, I just I I enjoyed it, and uh, if he stays in kind of this lane, I would like to I would like to see more of of Shyamalan. Don't don't let him anywhere near big IP ever again, though. No, no thank okay. you. I have to make an apology. First of all, I will say that Unbreakable. It's probably one of the most underrated superhero movies of all time. And it Absolutely. predates a lot of the superhero stuff that we see now. And it's fucking great. Uh, also, one of Bruce uh, Willis's better films. Bruce, actually. Bruce Willis is incredible. And Shout we need out. to do a whole Bruce Willis episode on this podcast because I, in college, I had a big poster on my wall of Bruce Willis. I love Bruce Willis. Uh, I know he's in poor health uh, these days. And it makes me very right. sad because Bruce Willis has given us some bangers. But my apology uh, a friend of the show, uh, Miss Pizzerino, who's been on the show millions of times from what we watch, made me watch this movie. She is an M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan stan. She loves him. She's seen all his movies. She loves them. She loves The Village, which is the worst movie of all time. But she loves it. Um, <laughs> she loves so old, too. We, uh... she, she loves old. She's like, old is the funniest movie I saw last year. It's not a comedy, but it is a comedy. And she just obsesses with it. She loves it. So I have to publicly apologize to Mo. Mo, you were right. Uh, somehow M. Night Shyamalan made a good movie before the Cowboys went back to the NFC Championship. It's crazy <laughs> um, that that happened, but I definitely will apologize to Mo. Here's my public apology. You were right. M. Night Shyamalan made a very good movie. I won't even say this, just like a little good, but I expected nothing. I And I would watch this movie again. I would go sit down in the movie theater and watch this movie again. Uh, Batista is that good. And Batista has been saying that he wants to do other kind of movies. He's like, why won't they put me in a rom-com? And people didn't like the quotes. After seeing this performance, let Batista do whatever he wants to. If he wants to do a rom-com, put him in a rom-com. He's very charming. He could do it. He's, he, he's good looking enough. 
Uh, the tattoos are a little weird, but other than that, he's great. Like Batista, give him all the jobs, bros. He's about to be dead in Marvel, anyways. He's gonna have a lot of time on his hands. They're about to yeah, uh, he's said as much too. So it's like not even a, not even a those trailers yes. tried those to disguise trailers. that, and it's just like no, nah, he, he said, gone. like get me the fuck nah, out of here, like years ago. Um, there was he had stands coming coming after people is like uh after he said that basically like defending him like who's not letting him be in a rom-com and i'm like i don't know man he's like 280 pounds he's like six foot five andre the yeah, dog how do you put him on screen with someone like how do you put him on screen yeah i don't know like who's his equal you know what i mean like, yeah, I'd like who to are take you, you out on a date. You're gonna have to cast Candace Parker. Couple with Candace Parker and Batista <laughs> <Right>. in a rom com. <laughs> I love it. Sign me I up. mean, you can do the whole like Joan Hill, Lauren London thing where it's like you can just have these two people who don't look like they go together at all, like <laughs> the center of your rom com. But <laughs> that has been knock of the cabin. Go see it. I want to talk about this right now. Teach, please give the breakdown of this Lauren London uh, uh Jonah Hill movie you people and the cgi kiss that actually uh a comedian ruined on a on a sway podcast yes <laughs> a comedian was on set for the movie and basically told everybody andrew this... schultz who's andrew schultz huge right now yeah so yeah. you people is a movie by kenny barris uh, uh he's famous because he's made he, he has a sitcoms he made blackish and he spun it off into grownish and he made a mixed-ish. netflix movie a couple years ago called mixed as fuck or black as fuck black, black AF, as fuck. whatever it was called so He's a mix. Uh, he's a man of mixed race. He's a black and white, I believe. And he made a movie uh, that had some potential, starring Jonah Hill, Lauren London, and a rom com. Uh, and then they're basically surrounded by comedians. Jonah Hill is also a comedian, but they're surrounded. Jonah by Hill wrote the movie. I should say. That. Jonah Hill did write the movie. Co-wrote um, uh, Eddie Murphy plays the dad of the of Lauren London and Julia Louis Dreyfus, who literally steals the fucking show. Who She's is so perfect. Good. It plays his mom and you could tell that Jonah Hill wrote the movie because when they're when you're with the Jewish family you're having a great time the jokes are funny the banter is funny Julie Louis Dreyfus is kind of like first of all she's funny at everything she's just great but like her comedic timing is just top 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 tier so there are good parts of the movie but the love interest of the movie the the love interest angle really doesn't really work like the actual rom-comness of the movie there's no chemistry between the two actors and they have a kiss at the end because it's a rom-com. So they end up, they, they, they break up, but then they come back together, a surprise wedding at the end of the movie, but they don't kiss in this wedding. They CGI would the wedding kiss, which is what Andrew Schultz told everybody, yep. which is just a cherry on top of the shit sandwich that was the actual romance of the rom-com. Like it, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, and I've tweeted some stuff. I've been getting people jumping in my mentions all day, even today. I tweeted this probably a day or two ago. Why do y'all care so much if she didn't want to kiss him? Blah, 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 blah. Look, it's not my decision who Lauren London chooses to kiss. And if she didn't want to kiss Jonah Hill, I don't blame her. He looks crazy in the film. His tan is weird. His hair is weird. Like insanely gross. He looks gross. So I don't, I don't, I respect (laughs) it. Like you don't want to kiss Jonah Hill. I'm fine. But he wrote this movie. He's going to be in this movie. If, if our, if we can't even get kisses in our rom-coms, what the fuck are we doing it for? Why are we here, guys? We are here to make cinema. If you're if the lead actress of your film does not want to do a kiss, we're not saying that you have to be married to him for the rest of your life, but we're saying that you can't take the kisses out of rom-coms. I'm sorry. We can't do that, guys. There's no counter-argument. And I know people are coming from different perspectives. I'm coming from this perspective of cinema. 
I am a movie fan. I am a rom-com fan. You can't take the kisses out of rom-coms. People have been saying, oh, they well, they were doing CGI kisses before, you know, during COVID. Yeah, I don't care. Nobody goes to see an action movie because of people kissing. You go to rom-coms to see this story of this connection of these two people. And I'm supposed to believe this connection. You can CGI a lot of stuff. I'm fine with it. I'm not the yep. CGI. I'm not the guy who goes to the Marvel movies and starts looking at the CGI and looking all close to the screen and shit. I don't really care what you do with the CGI. As long as it doesn't look too bad, I'm fine with it. But we are not going to have CGI kisses become a thing. I refuse to let it happen. I will turn into an old man yelling at yelling at the cloud. I refuse to let this happen. I'm sorry, Kenya and you people and whoever made these decisions. That won't fly from here. Our rom-coms, they don't even make rom-coms anymore. You're not going to fucking take the kisses out of the rom-coms that we get. We get yeah, one rom-com is, a year. Maybe. This is the don't PC do, culture. Doing. I am stopping right here. We're not <laughs> fucking doing this. Listen, snowflakes. <laughs> Listen, libs. I don't want to I don't want to delve into this becoming a uh, <laughs> just make them do it sort of thing. But, it's just like, <laughs> but it is no, like I, when, when they if you don't want to do someone it, that can do it in the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, like there are plenty of Lauren London can go get whatever movie she wants. Obviously, Jonah Hill can go get whatever movie he wants. If you don't have two people that are gonna ascend to kiss in your rom-com, you don't have a rom-com. I'm sorry, you just don't. If you somebody made this point the on-screen chemistry enough to kiss in your movie, which people have been kissing on movie screens for hundreds of years. Since movies. Since movies. If you can't do that, then why are you in this rom-com where this is your love interest? People are already people are already saying there's no fucking way these two people would be in a believable relationship together. And you just proved them right by not kissing you this You literally proved them right. <laughs> it's just a wild stepping stone from where we are because it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not docking CGI in, in, in Marvel movies. It's also a fucking superhero movie. They film all that shit on green screen anyway. You mean to see, say somebody had to sit there and airbrush their lips together? For like, <laughs> Andrew like, Schultz said they came very close together like they were going to kiss and they cut. That's where they cut it. And instead of they don't even cut around it in the movie. Like you, if you don't want them to kiss, there are ways you could film the movie that makes like we imply the kisses, but we don't have to actually CGI a kiss because you, that means you know a kiss is supposed to be there. And if you can't actually get the actors to agree to do the kiss, you don't have a rom com. I'm sorry, you just don't. You can't. You can't give me a body double. You couldn't. Get... <laughs> Dog, just put, uh, grabs. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous, also, ridiculous. Ridiculous. And also, somebody made this point. Didn't she kiss Michael B. Jordan in that bad Tom Clancy movie like a year ago? I'm, I'm, hey, no. Hey, like, Michael no, B. Jordan no, is just, a great looking man. You yeah, got no to see what Jonah Hill looks like. Hill. No disrespect but... to Jonah Hill. <laughs> However, I don't know why he was, he was tanning too much. His hair is weird. There's a lot going on with Jonah Hill's physical appearance his, in the movie. That his, is his hair is a whole different strange. thing. And also like their whole, their whole relationship in that movie, like the way they like fall in love or whatever, it's just literally like they go buy Air Maxes together and like, <laughs> oh no, and now oh, they're supposed no. to be like, a, like, now I'm supposed to believe that these people want to be married to each other. Like, they buy Air Maxes, oh, they listen to Daniel Caesar, and that's it. Like, that's let's get married now. Like, that was the whole love story. They can't also, even break, Daniel they can't Caesar, even. Guys. Well, we did. We canceled him. Y'all, y'all canceled Daniel Caesar. I'm oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I mean, some people canceled Daniel Caesar. <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> Daniel Caesar still gets spins around not here. Me. <laughs> like, was like he, he wrong? Yeah, he was. But, but, 
that song can't even do the the thing where like in in all the old rom-coms like we're not even netflix isn't even giving them lakers money like they can't get lakers courtside tickets or whatever you know what i mean they put that in every rom-com they're just like let's go see the lakers look at these (laughs) seats you can't do that anymore (laughs) <laughs> or at least you know give my man like the hookup at some like really cool like bar or like send them to nobu they get to sneak in at the circus or some shit like you know we've had plenty of rom-coms do plenty of things there dane cook had like a plug that let him like go and be on the trapeze and shit right at the empty circus in one of his movies like y'all couldn't give me something cool on this date <laughs> They rented no, out the entire Madison Square Garden in train wreck. <laughs> yeah. I've had we've seen rom-coms where people go do shoot-arounds on empty NBA courts, like for their first date. Like we've seen some shit when it comes to first dates in rom-coms. Like, y'all I get love the nothing. super amazing first date in the rom-com. That shit makes your heart flutter. You're like, oh shit, your first date. You must really like this girl. You fucking rented out Dodger Stadium. Like, like <laughs> this is the first date. This is crazy. How fucking... did you do this? And it's always, I know a guy. You yeah, know? I know a guy. I know a guy. I, I, I happen to know a guy. <laughs> or at least give me like a cool scene, like a uh, fucking This Means War when Tom Hardy takes Reese Witherspoon to paintball. He's just shitting on kids at paintball. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, give me something. Now nah, we're That's just like- going to go to the store, buy some Air Maxes. I love that trope in, in rom-coms. It's some mid-level executive knew the security guard at the the Hollywood Bowl. And it's just like, <laughs> just let me in, you know? Yeah, and he just like fucking just like taps the screen and like the shit lights up with their names on it and shit. <laughs> right. How are y'all in the Griffith Observatory? You can't even get up I there. Know, I know the security guard. Know the guy. Yeah, Old fucking friend. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone just floating through the Griffith Observatory at night. <laughs> um. So that was one thing that came out. There's a whole lot of like DC shit that came out. I don't care. No, if we care to even talk about that. Don't care. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, I, I I trust I trust uh, what's his face. That's all James I'm gonna Gunn. say about DC for now. I trust James Gunn uh, to I make don't. fire shit. <laughs> and we're still getting we're still getting Batman two, and we're still getting Joker two, even though we don't need it. So you know they're gonna have the money makers over there, and you I tell know, you what. we'll see what happens. As as the number one Joker hater, if Joker has one <laughs> hater, it is me. Yep. I'm gonna be in there. I'm gonna see that fucking movie. I don't like. I don't know what to tell you guys. Night Sorry. one, bro. I, I you Joaquin put Lady Phoenix Gaga in your movie. Lady I'm Gaga. There. Are, That's exactly what be, got me. It will probably be bad. Probably. I don't see any way it's not bad. To be right. honest, I mean the first it's one a, wasn't that good. I mean we. I, it's I mean, a it Joker wasn't bad, musical, but it wasn't that good. Like, there's no way that it's a good movie, but I'm gonna watch it though. You put Lady Gaga in some shit, I'm gonna watch it, like straight up. You tell me Lady Gaga is gonna be there. I'm on period. I'm, that when that came out, that was when I decided. Oh, I'm in there on night one. I don't care. I'm in there on night one. Lady Gaga yeah, is her. She really is. Hard. I remember the tweet was like, Joker two is called like Joker Folly Ado or whatever. Yeah, it'll be a musical. I'm like, okay, I'm out. Starring Lady Gaga. <laughs> okay, back in. I'm glad you told me that. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Back in. <laughs> Just when I thought I was out, <laughs> pull me back in. Um, but yeah, uh, the rest of that shit. Like, why are we making an Amanda Waller show? Who asked for that? Who? Who? Cares? She did. <laughs> Look, I love. I love Viola Davis. Davis is the next state. man, but. I, I, 
I don't know why we need an Amanda Waller show, but you know, I'll, I'll tune in. We'll, we'll see. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't. As someone who hasn't watched Peacekeeper and probably won't be watching Peacekeeper, at oh, this you're missing point. out on real cinema. Peacekeeper? Now you got you're missing out on real cinema. Peacemaker. Bro. Peacemaker. Peacemaker, peacekeeper, peacemaker, whatever. Very January sixth of you, peacemaker. <laughs> You're missing out on real cinema, bro. I'm sorry. Like, no, peacemaker I... was good. I will say that. Uh, James Gunn, the DC stuff that he's doing. I don't know how because we reviewed it. I don't even know how you felt about his Suicide Squad, but I really enjoyed that movie. It was um, good. Shout out to Margot no. Robbie. Uh, yeah. So they're gonna do the thing where they have Elseworlds, which is like literally there's just like the Batman and the Joker, and they're just like these movies made a ton of money. We got to keep making them, uh, but also we want to try to do the cinematic universe again. So we're just going to call those Elseworlds, you know, like the comics. Yeah. And it's, yeah so How about, these, these are the ones that are going to make a bajillion dollars. And then hopefully the other stuff will too. But if it doesn't, we still got these go-to. Yeah, we, we, so we can just crank money. those out. <laughs> yeah, y'all fucking love Robert Pattinson. So here you go. There's more. <laughs> um, I think if I it think didn't work, yeah, I, if it didn't work, if the V Batman didn't work, they would have been like, nah, it's done. They, yeah, I guarantee yeah, yeah. We're done with that Batman. But now, because it worked, now we're just going to have two Batmans. This is why I'm like so surprised that people are upset Henry Cavill and The Rock aren't coming back. I'm like, nobody, like, we didn't like those movies. Nobody guys. liked it. Yeah, nobody saw it. So, <laughs> like, we didn't like those movies. Like, why are we I will upset? never, The Rock was at the Grammys last night. I didn't watch much of the Grammys, but when I turned it on, he happened to be on screen. I literally picked up my phone and tweeted, Black Adam was trash. I'm going to make sure that everybody remembers that, that film is absolute huff. That shit sticks, bro. He lied. He lied to everyone. For yeah. years, he lied. Um, I don't know why, but my wife looked just like, why the fuck was The Rock at the Grammys? And I was like, you know what? Good point. Like, it's I don't about know. drive. It's about power. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he is a recording artist. Anyway, <laughs> T or, uh, Dex, what were you going to say? It's about time. It's about time that we abolish the cinematic universe, guys. I think we're done. I think we've done it enough. We've seen enough. After the Kang saga, we're reaching critical mass. Let's wrap it up, y'all. Everybody, no more cinematic universes. I have to stop this right now. After Uh, Kang, I think we're reaching. Kang is about to go. I'm saying that. Hey, finish finish what we got. Finish what we got right now. You know what I'm saying? Hold it down. If you've made a cinematic universe, you can make it until it's done. No more. Nobody else. Wrap it up. <laughs> no more. That's it. No more. Yeah. You had to start back. You had to start circa 2011. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones has given us two elite television shows in the same universe. And they're what getting, did they I say? Like 2011. More. You had to start. Yeah. You, that, you, Game of Thrones. Ah, you can't start in. it now, you're saying. You can't start yeah, it you now. You cannot start it now. Game of Thrones, grandfathered in. MCU, as long as we have some grandfathered in. stuff in, I'm fine with this take. Yeah. I'm on board now. I DCU. Can, I, Wrap it up. No. <laughs> wrap it up. Wrap Just it that up. meme. Wrap it up. <laughs> the fucking John Wick. No, stop. So what stop. happens to all those other, you know, all those movies that people saw in the Snyderverse? Do those just like not count as canon anymore? Like, what basically, are, uh, if I'm reading it correctly, like flushed it down the toilet. He was just like, we're just going to try harder and better and do better things. <laughs> we're just going to be better over here. So sorry Except to the Flash. Yeah. He was like the Flash. We spent so much fucking money on this movie. Yeah. Y'all oh, are going the to lies get Ezra Miller. The are starting <laughs> you so want, people are telling the big lies. That shit it. better be the greatest thing I've ever seen, DC. Because y'all are playing with my... Why? Why? They have a they, war they, criminal out there just running them up. 
this dude is playing Grand Theft Auto in real life, basically. He's committing <laughs> felonies and crimes. And y'all are like, okay, we know that he's a piece of shit, but y'all don't understand this film is going to change everything. Okay, you better fucking be right, DC, because if that shit stinks, I'm, we're going to kill it on this podcast. We're going to destroy that film. If you try to give us Black Adam again, if, if this is Black Adam level, I might I might be done with DC forever. I might... <laughs> Well, except for the Batman too, I have to watch that. But there yeah, the is Batman, Flash is trash. I might be done. I might There's be done. a reason why they've kept it around, even after doing all the reshoots and stuff. Apparently, they put together like a decent film, which is shocking to me. Decent isn't good enough because no, of the way that they've been doing my this. life. It has to be. It has to. It has to be. Uh, what well, the Rock Black Adam is going to be? A, a, a paradigm shift. shift. A, a paradigm shift. It needs to be a paradigm shift, bros. It's it's not going to be already because y'all don't like Ezra Miller. Oh, we, we shouldn't like Ezra Miller, but I'm saying just like as an actor. Ezra as Miller an actor. is a bad person. <laughs> yes, but if Ezra Miller was really him on screen, we could at least forget for an hour and a half to two really, hours really that he's the bad person. But we don't know because we haven't seen the fucking performance. And I've never seen Ezra Miller do something that made me think he was him. Now, if he walks on screen... And I immediately am like, oh, God, this is the next big star. Hey, I'm not saying we're going to forget about all those awful things that he said, but at least for those two hours, I could have a good time because we just saw Brad Pitt on screen. And the allegation didn't come into my brain when I was watching Babylon. Yeah, I've Babylon been was real cinema. things in my time. I can separate some art from an artist, but Ezra Miller, uh, <laughs> uh, the fucking perks of being a wallflower wasn't that goddamn good. All right? like, y'all, you need to do hey. something. Oscar nominated Ezra Miller for whatever that was in the Oscars, <laughs> the uh, the Speed Force or whatever it was. Oh yeah, best movie yeah, moment like of all time. Fan moment, you whatever. haters, haters <laughs> and losers. That shit this that year, if, if if that man is mentioned during my Oscar broadcast, my Oscar, <laughs> broadcast, if that man's name is mentioned, even on a commercial, I'm going to lose my shit. Keep him away from everything that I love, please. Did Zack Snyder God. put out anything this year that could get him like spam voted into the Oscars? I don't think so. Those yeah, but it only dropped on Reddit. Like it didn't out. come out in theaters. It was on Reddit only. You <laughs> have to go to 4chan to watch the movie. That's the only place you can find it. What was Let's the last thing up. he made? That like zombie movie? Yeah, and that got, yeah, that was got voted year. in somehow too as well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That they was spam awesome. voted Army of the Dead into that. Fucking Snyder fans. Um, he's, got a, he's got a movie called Rebel Moon coming. Oh to yeah, the, in that's gonna that's gonna definitely be awesome. Um, the let's let's wrap up with what we're watching. Um, and this can be what we're reading, what we're playing, whatever we're doing, what we're watching. I'll start. Uh, I'm watching The Last of Us, folks. Real sorry cinema. to di- sorry to disappoint you out there. I know it's a movie podcast. But it's also now a video game turned into uh, extended series podcast because <laughs> that shit rocks. That's, that's that that show's awesome. Sorry, I have to go back and say I'm watching Andor and Bros. You want to talk about a paradigm shift? This is <laughs> easily, 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 easily. And I like Mando. Don't get me wrong. This is easily the best Star Wars show, and it doesn't even have a close second. It is so good, and they are exploring things that you make you realize they should have been exploring things like this in the Star Wars universe ages ago. And f- they finally found Tony Gilroy, who they've been literally begging to make a Star Wars show forever. He's been saying no, because all that <laughs> shit that y'all be making be trash, and Tony Gilroy <laughs> don't want to make none of that shit. And they finally said, okay, whatever, make whatever you want. And he fucking made Andor, and that shit is a masterpiece. It's going to change the way we view Star Wars 
going forward, I promise. It's the whole political intrigue, like espionage point of view of it. Am I, if I'm correct in saying so, that like, well, you, all these things are happening on these planets in Star Wars, but you don't ever like spend time to think about how the oh, we're these, on the how, desert planet again. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. Then you just jump around. You just like you don't you don't spend enough time on any given planet to think about how the empire and how how the empire structured affects that place. And so zooming in a little bit and kind of seeing how the empire's rule affects certain planets, it's just really cool. And it, and it, it, it fills in a lot of gaps because you can't just, you know, you go to 20 different planets in a given Star Wars movie. You don't have time to think about the people on that last planet. That was 30 minutes ago. We're not thinking about that planet anymore. I still haven't watched Andor. I need to I need to get on that. Oh, man. Watch a couple oh, of man. episodes. Oh, it oh, is man. really well well made. But uh, I, yeah, I fell behind and then I was like, damn, I can't catch up. There's so many episodes. So it is now lot. I have all the time in the world. A lot. So I'm going to watch that shit. I have one more episode to go, but it, it's been they're all great. like 45 minutes to an hour, though, too. Yeah, right? they're, they're, it's yeah. long, but it, you realize what's had there is the basically it's like in three like it's like three episode acts. So basically every three episodes is like the beginning, middle and end of a certain part of the story. It's great. There's going to be a season two. So you have plenty of time to tap back in. Dexter. And there's only going two. to be a season two, too. Yeah, there's, like, they, I'm they out. said it's only going to be two two seasons. That was also part of be... why I didn't watch it at first. Because we know what happened. Like, well, well, well you know, it's fucking 24 episode saga. Spoiler alert. Andor's yeah, going to die. Yeah, I've seen Rogue One. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I like. I don't need a 24 episode arc explaining to me why this man just died. Like, I, I was already sad about that. Like, you know, it, but getting to see. Apparently, this is real heat. So I'm it's real it cinema, bros. It is seeing all the sacrifices that had to be made in order for him to even have the chance to make his sacrifice that he made in Rogue One is really it's just great storytelling. It's like great storytelling. It's great. Um, uh, I also want to go back and say that I've been going back and watching a bunch of HBO stuff that I missed over the years. Uh, I don't y'all won't care about this at all. And I think I don't think a lot of people listening. Um, the John Adams miniseries with Paul Giamatti is fucking awesome. <laughs> John uh, Adams man, I the, will not care about that at all. Wait, like, John Adams, the politician, the former, the second president of the United States. Okay, it's awesome. First of all, the guy Giamatti. who got like a two-minute diss song in Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Paul made billions. Made me watch billions for way longer than I should have been watching billions. He's awesome, man. He's and that it's, good. He's a yeah, great, he's actor. A incredible actor. And I, it just got me like thinking, like, man, I really want a mini series for like all of our lesser known presidents. You know what I mean? Like Benjamin <laughs> Harrison. Can I get a like Taft? Sure. Yeah. Give me a Taft. Taft sorry. Brendan Fraser. Was that a real president's <laughs> name? We had a president named Benjamin Harrison. Yeah. I was yeah. going to let it slide, but I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I literally don't know who that is. <laughs> that was a president. They just be making. They used they to make any white man like president. Two weeks or something. Twenty third, twenty third president. Oh, you, you white, you president. White, you Ben Affleck. Speaking of Ben Affleck, did y'all see how miserable he looked at his wife's work event <laughs> last night? I hate that, bro. Free he married ben. a Jennifer. He's married to Jennifer Lopez. There were reasons why you left that relationship. Miserable. Ben. Why'd you go back? Please, bro. Get free. Get free. <laughs> Anyway, Dex, what are you watching? I mean, I'll take a spot if you don't want it. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> <Tag> <laughs> I mean, if, if you want to swap it out, Dex I'll take like, a shift, tag bro. me in. I'll take a shift. Like, let me know. <laughs> just, just give me a couple shifts. Like, that's fine. We can. We can... <laughs> Speaking of, you watch Shotgun Wedding, right? I watched Shotgun Wedding, and that movie kind of owns, man. Like, is it actually good? No, but I had a great time. Like, 
That like I really enjoyed that movie. It's what a stupid action-y rom-com is supposed to be. Didn't um, one of you just watch Vengeance? Uh, me, yeah, I watched Vengeance. It's I get fine. To oh, it's not, I enjoyed you it. You're not high on it like everybody else was. No, it's fine. It, it, it it's like a movie that you used to get in like 2001. I went and saw it back when it was in theaters, and I really enjoyed it. I was if not I, expecting to like it as much as I did. If I would have uh, seen it in theaters, I think I would have enjoyed it more. I was just on my couch looking for something to watch, and I was like on my phone and stuff. There's some there's some interesting things to say about like about like being on your phone and like what your legacy is about like posting and all that stuff and who gets to speak and all that stuff. But they did Texas pretty well, like West Texas pretty well actually. It's very stereotypical, but it is yeah, they, they you nailed make a couple the water jokes and I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed the stereotypes. They're like, who likes UT? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, who likes Texas Tech? Yeah. Would you put Whataburger or something else? They're like, Whataburger. Why? It's right oh, there. Always there. <laughs> like, yeah, I relate. Uh, See, so yeah, I fuck with that movie. I would definitely recommend checking out Vengeance. I watched, yeah, uh, speaking of Amazon, I've been watching. I just watched the end of it, actually. There's a new show coming out later this month called The Consultant, starring Christoph Waltz. Two-time Academy Award not, or winner. Wait, are you saying Waltz. you already watched this show? But it I've already watched yet? it. I got I got screeners, baby. I'm out I, here. I just want to know how much of a flex that he just did. Like, he just dropped that yeah, flex in. I'm about, to, I'm about to do a bigger flex because <laughs> <laughs> earlier today, I was on the, uh, the virtual press junket. So I got to do a little... Very, very fucking short interview with a few of the actors from that show. Not Christoph Waltz. They wouldn't give me that. I'm not there yet. But, uh, you know, shout out to Brittany O'Grady of the White Lotus fame. Hey. And, uh, Nat Wolf of Naked Brothers Wait, Band who does fame. she play on the White Lotus? Which one is this? Uh, Sydney yeah. Sweeney's friend. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I got to interview them earlier today about the show. And I got to finish watching it. And it's dope. I recommend it. It's coming out like at the end of February. I don't think I'm supposed to be like talking about it yet, but they're not going to listen to this podcast. So that's fine. Luckily, <laughs> millions of people listen to this podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, and uh, I've watched uh, I watched that Living movie the other day uh, that Bill Nye got nominated for, for Best Actor. Eh. It was a movie. It, it was a movie. It, it happened. Yeah, you don't need to watch it unless you're like me and you're an Oscars completionist. Then there's no reason. There's no other reason for you to watch this movie. So, like his there's performance so is good, but it ain't. It ain't. You gotta see this. Like I, I regret to inform you that Women Talking actually did come to my theater, and I was like, I'm gonna go see Megan. Like. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going. To, I got tickets already for Women Talking. I'm. I got all my Oscar movies lined up at the movie theater, so I'm going to see Women Talking, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, and what's the third one I haven't seen? Well, there's Avatar, but I'm not going to watch that film. Spoiler: I'm not watching <laughs> that film. Uh, uh, Women Talking, Crying Old Sadness. Ah, yes. So I have all those coming up as well. I'm also watching BMF, which is great, great television. Um, I'm watching The Last of Us, just like everybody else. That's great, and I'm about yeah, to same. start my Secession. Season three rewatch because we're about to be right back into oh, Succession maybe season I'll four. actually start Succession. Right, and it's time, bro. One. I'm begging you. I'm begging. You. It's literally the best show on TV. I'm begging you. It's right. the best show on TV. Um, yeah. So that's that's what we're watching. Uh, obviously, Tej and I are about to be watching 
computer screens for the next like Turn 48 hours. Hogwarts Legacy. Hours, Legacy. Yes. Um, <laughs> we do not stand J.K. Rowling on this podcast, but uh, the, the universe that she made is awesome. So like, I'm just like, I'm going to play the video game. Sorry. And uh, yeah, I'm going to play the wizard RPG. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I'm not even a Harry Potter guy, but that game looks fun as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I was going to have major FOMO. So I pre-ordered it last second. And now I'm about to go play it for like until my eyes bleed at 5 a.m. Um, so that is what we're watching, what we're playing. Anyway. Dex. Well, hold on. You can find us at the One Take Pod. You can find us at the number One Take Pod on all platforms. One Take Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the like. Go follow us at Apollo H O U on all platforms. Apollo at Apollo Pop Culture on all platforms. Really appreciate that. Watch movies, Dex. What are we doing? Hashtag support Florence Pew, baby. Our time is coming. Dune two, Oppenheimer. We back. We out. Never left. All right, we're out. She just want head in the morning. She just want lay in the daylight. She ain't trying to do no falling. Don't want love if it ain't right. Walk on the beach on Sunday afternoon and make her feel alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can change the story.